0: Approach the ministry of Your Word this morning. We humbly ask for understanding, wisdom, and revelation knowledge. We sit at Your feet with ears that are ready to hear, hearts that are ready to receive and embrace truth and be changed by it. We receive sight and prophetic vision that we may see and understand Your ways. And so we thank You for Your precious Word. We honor it. We value Your Word. We hunger and thirst for Your Word and for the things of Your Spirit. We thank You for giving us a greater sense of hunger and thirst for the things of God. And we bless you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning to all of you and to those who are watching us comfortably at home by way of our GoToMeeting platform. I'm going to be ministering next Sunday as well because I will not be able to finish uh, what the Lord has placed on my heart to share with you this morning. I was supposed to take a sabbatical for the whole of the month of August, but I said to Pastor Michael yesterday over the phone that when your batteries are charged and you're roaring to go like the engines of the airplane on the tarmac, then you just cannot keep your mouth shut. Amen! Amen. 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 So thank God He was gracious enough, and He gave me His pulpit for two weeks so that I can preach and teach what the Lord put on my heart to do so this morning. (laughs) Thank you. The title of my message this morning is called, The Fight of Faith. Now, teaching and preaching on the subject of faith is one of the most favorable subjects, if if not the most favorable topics of my ministry. I love teaching on the subject of faith. And so, to lay a foundation, we're going to read from 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, and we're going to also read 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, both of them from the New King James Version. Can we have those scriptures on the board, please? Here we go. Paul, writing to his spiritual son Timothy, says to him, fight The good fight of faith lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And then in his second epistle, this great apostle writes to Timothy once again, toward the end of his life here on earth, and he says, I have fought the good fight. What fight is he referring to? The fight of faith. I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. Not many of us could say, or have said, at the end of the road... These very words, I have kept the faith. I have fought the good fight of faith. I have finished the race. And now, he says, I'm ready to go and meet my Lord and Savior. Beloved of the Lord, we need to realize and understand that as soldiers of the Lord, we are engaged every single day in a fight for life and for the things that God promised us. Every single day you and I wake up, whether you realize it or not, you are in a fight. You have entered the arena of spiritual warfare. And we need to take this seriously. Because we're fighting not just for our lives and for the extension of the kingdom of God, but for our loved ones as well. Amen? Amen. Every single day, we have to deal with our flesh. Amen? Amen? As long as we are on this earth and live in this physical body, we need to understand that every day we have to deal with our flesh that so often desires to go in directions that are contrary to the will of God. Contrary to the purposes of God. Paul says, writing to the Corinthians, he says, But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. It's easy to talk, it's easy to preach, but it's not easy to keep this body under control. Amen? Amen. It's the sinful nature that desires to go its own way, that wants things that are outside of the will of God. So it is our responsibility and our fight to keep it under. I don't know if you have a problem with your flesh, but I have a problem every single day. Wants to eat things that are not right for it. Amen? Amen. Wants to overindulge in things that are not good for me. So I have to keep it under. Bring it into subjection. Some people think that God is going to deal with their bodies. That it's God's responsibility to deal with our flesh. But it's not. God gave us the responsibility to deal and to discipline and to keep our flesh under every single day. Romans 12 says, Present your bodies as what? As a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Who's going to present his body? We have to do it. We have to commit it to the Lord and to the leading of the Spirit and say, no, 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 you not my God. The Word of the Lord and the Spirit of God will guide and lead me. I heard a preacher the other day say, is your belly your God? For many of us, yes. We do what it says, whether it's right or wrong. Can you say amen? Yeah. If it's not our body that needs to be disciplined and brought into subjection, is the devil himself, with his relentless, unending temptations, endeavoring to lead us into sin and unrighteousness. We have to deal with him. Amen? The Word of God says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Who is to resist the devil? God? So many times we cry out, God, deal with the devil. God, the devil is after me. Well, what are you doing about it? We are to resist the enemy. We are to put on the whole armor of God. What's the armor for? For battle. Amen? Amen. And then again, we have to deal with the spirit of this present world and its many luring and appealing temptations that drive men and women away from the purposes of God and away from their destiny in Christ. Paul, writing to Timothy once again, said to him, For Demas, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10, hath forsaken me, why? having loved this present world and is departed to Thessalonica you know you read those words of paul and your heart sings here is a man like demas who was one of the closest associates of paul who traveled with him on his apostolic journeys And the spirit of the world, this present world, got hold of him, got the better of him, and as a result, he forsook Paul, he forsook the gospel, and he forsook his destiny in Christ. This is not a young believer. This is a mature believer. Followed Paul, saw all of the miracles, assisted Paul, saw the signs and the wonders, and yet he allowed the spirit of this age to lure him away from his purpose in Christ. He said he loved this present world. You know, the Word of God says, if you love the world, then you have no love for God. And the things that are in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life are not of God. They lead people away from God's given purposes. Amen? Amen. It is for this reason that as soldiers of the Lord, listen, we are to take seriously our calling and as the Apostle Paul says, endure hardship. Subduing the flesh every day is hard work. It's painful at times. Endure, he says, hardship. Paul, writing to Timothy once again, he said in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, You, therefore, must endure hardship as what? As a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in what? Warfare. Warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. This is one of the, of the most fiercest and greatest battles I had to fight in order to keep my focus on the call and the purposes of God for my life. Being in business, entangled in the affairs of business, I had to remain and fight and resist the temptation to go deeper and deeper into that environment, into that world. And this verse of Scripture was one of the most powerful words that God gave to me in order to fight the good fight of faith, not to entangle myself with the affairs of this present world, and keep my focus and my vision on the Lord who guided me through into the call of God. And I had to fight that battle before the Lord entrusted me with His ministry and commissioned me to preach the gospel. You have to fight your own battles. If you want to maintain the course if you want to finish your race victoriously, you will have to fight your own fight of faith. And stay the course, regardless of the opposition, regardless of the temptation, regardless of what people say or don't say about you. That's why many are called, but only few are chosen. Because few are willing to fight the battle and the good fight of faith. They give up. They become weary. They faint in their minds. They walk away from the call of God through the many ta- tactical, well, tactics of the enemy that he uses. The Passion Translation says this, overcome every form of evil as a victorious soldier of Jesus the Anointed One. For every soldier called to active duty must divorce himself from the distractions of this world so that he may fully satisfy the one who chose him. Distractions. Great temptations. If he cannot stop you, the enemy, he will try to distract you with some other things that are not important in the light of eternity that have no value in the eyes of God, only a temporary value. The only fight that will bring us victory and enable us to triumph against and over every kind of evil is the good fight of faith. 1 John 5, 4 says, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Our faith. You ought to nurture your faith, you ought to look after your faith, you ought to feed your faith more consistently and more diligently than you feed your body. If you don't feed your faith, if you don't nurture your faith, if you don't exercise your faith, your faith will not be able to overcome all of these things that we talked about. We need to be strong men and women of great faith. Are you with me? Praise God. I trust you are listening. The Scriptures declare that exaltation... And promotion does not come from the east nor the west or from the south, but from the Lord. Psalm 75, verse 6. In order to advance in the kingdom of God and be exalted in the eyes of the Lord, one has to know how to fight the good fight of faith. You cannot do it any other way. Every form of growth and advancement in the kingdom comes by faith and through faith and without faith it is impossible hebrew says to please god amen. amen we must learn how to believe god and exercise our faith not only in his ability and power to deliver but also in his willingness to do so many believe his power and ability but doubt His ability, his willingness and His kindness and His goodness. Praise God. He is good and willing to promote us and exalt us above our enemies. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please God. And Scripture also says that God rewards those who diligently seek Him, not half-heartedly. You know, sometimes I feel I'm in the midst of people who are overfed, not hungry, not thirsty for the righteousness of God. And it grieves my spirit. We are far too comfortable, far too complacent. We're not energized in our spirit. We're not on fire for God. And God wants people that are on fire for Him and for His kingdom. They're zealous for the things of God. Remember what Jesus said to the church in Laodicea? I wish you were cold or hot, but not lukewarm. Hello? Learning, therefore, how to fight the good fight of faith will bring kingdom promotion. An exaltation both in the eyes of God and in the eyes of our fellow man. And we see it again and again. How God promoted people who exercise great faith. Proverbs 24, 6 says, For by wise counsel you will wage your own war. Talking about warfare again. And in the multitude of counselors, their safety. Waging our own warfare against the enemies of our souls. Listen. And winning battles in the name of the Lord will adorn and beautify the gospel we proclaim. And attract sinners to the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you say amen to that? The world needs to see Jesus. Jesus. Remember in the Gospel of John, some Greeks came all the way from Greece onto the Jewish state, and they said, Sir, we would see Jesus. They didn't want religion. They didn't want talk. They didn't want preach. They wanted to see the Lord Jesus because they heard so much about Him. And so the world is crying today, Church, They are crying out to us, we want to see Jesus. We don't want to see gimmicks. We don't want to see religion. We don't want to see politics. We want to see Jesus. That's what they want to see. So winning battles in the name of the Lord will beautify, will glorify, and adorn the gospel we preach. This is our God. He's the God of deliverance. He's the God who heals. He's the God who delivers. He's the God who provides. He is the God who loves with unconditional love. He's the God of mercy and forgiveness. He is the God of grace. Amen. Every battle you and I engage in, And win. you are exalted in the name of the Lord and promoted in the kingdom of God. And I've experienced this several times in my own ministry and life. I had to fight that battle and win it before God could entrust me with something greater. David was promoted in the king's palace. When? When was he promoted? When he defeated Goliath. Immediately he was promoted into the king's palace. Daniel was promoted in the king's palace when, when he fought the good fight of faith and he shut the mouths of lions and he defeated his enemies who wanted him slain. He only was promoted when he won the battle. We look at the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Mishach, and Abednego. They fought the good fight of faith in the midst of the fiery furnace. And they won the battle. As a result, you read the scriptures. The king of Babylon promoted them in his province. I can go on and give example after example of men and women, and as Hebrews 11.33 says, who through their faith subdued kingdoms, they work righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. And others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. All of these, they fought their own fight of faith. They didn't cower. They stood firm. They stood strong in front of opposition, in front of death. And God honored their faith. And some of us are afraid to go out of our houses. We are more afraid of the virus than we are of God. And that's the truth. Take it or leave it. Jesus said, fear not them that can kill the body, but fear him who has the power over the body and over the soul to cast into hell. Whom are we fear today? Do we really fear the Lord? Do we believe in God? And this is the reason I'm teaching these lessons on faith. More than any other subject, so that we may grow in our faith, folks. Or else we're not going anywhere spiritually. We remain stuck... In the mud. Until you rise up and take your rightful place in the kingdom of God and begin to exercise your faith and fight the good fight of faith, whatever you have to deal with. And God is not going to thrust you against the Goliath. You're going to have to first defeat the lion and the bear before He gives you the Goliath. Amen? And this is the reason we need to win battles in the name of the Lord, get promoted in the kingdom of God, so that the boundaries of our work in Christ will be extended, as the scripture says, in regions beyond us. It's not about us anymore. We don't fight the good fight of faith just for ourselves. We fight the good fight of faith for our family, for our children, for our grandchildren, for our neighbors, for our church, for our government, for our community. That's why God gave us this all-powerful weapon of faith. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. Our faith. The Apostle Paul, writing to the Corinthians, said the same thing in 2 Corinthians ten fifteen. He says, we hope that your faith will grow. Why? So that the boundaries of our work among you will be extended in regions beyond you. He's urging and encouraging the Corinthians. Grow in your faith so that our work may be extended. Grow in your faith So that we may go beyond your known regions into unknown regions where the gospel has not been preached. Do you know how many hundreds and millions of people are without the knowledge of the truth? How many millions of people in countries where they hunger and thirst for righteousness? As someone said many years ago, no one has the right to hear the gospel twice until everyone has heard the gospel once. Took quiet in here this morning. The scope and influence of our work in Christ, folks, will be extended as we learn to fight our own fight of faith and win the battles we need to engage in. And believe me when I say, there has never been a time before when our faith in God and His Word is being tested and tried. Look around you. Not very far. But what do we see? The devastation. Of the days we are living in. Sickness, disease, fear, and death are all around us. I read something in the News 24 the other day of the frontline medical workers, and they're saying it's like we're walking in the shadow of death every single day in our workplaces. People are hurting. People are fearing of the things that are coming upon the human race. They are perplexed. They are confused. They are fearful. And indeed, we are living in the last days. Jesus said in Luke 21, verse 26, man's heart's failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven will be shaken. People dying of heart attacks because of fear. Sometimes it's not the disease that kills people. It's the fear that kills them. The fear is more dreadful than the actual disease. It's the fear that goes with it. You hear COVID. Am I going to die? Am I going to make it? Am I going to walk through this? More than ever before, the church needs to rise up in our day and shine in the midst of this great darkness, showing the way, folks, and calling people to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. I'm reminded so often in the last few days of when Jesus gave them the parable of the fig tree, of the gardener coming by the fig tree looking for fruit for three years, and he found none, and he says, cut it. Why does it waste the ground? And the gardener pleads with the master, said, give it another year. Then they told him of those 18 that the tower of Siloam fell upon them and they died. And those whom the Pilate mixed the sacrifices with the blood was bloodshed and killing. And Jesus said, do you think that those folks were more sinful than all the rest in Galilee? I say to you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. What's God, what is He looking for in this chaotic world? He is looking for fruits worthy of repentance. Genuine repentance that produces godly fruit, not just mere words. uh, Lives that are changed by the power of the gospel. Marriages that are restored. Relationships that are restored. Bodies that are healed and delivered because they repented and turned from the wicked ways. There's one message that needs to be preached by the church today is repentance. Because you cannot have genuine faith without first repenting. Faith is a byproduct of genuine repentance. Amen. Amen? And through the generations, God has always prepared a remnant for such times as these, who remained faithful and true to His Word, even so today. And God is calling each and every one of us, young and old, man and woman, boy and child, to enlist in this great army of believers who will stand in the gap and provide a way of escape from this crooked and perverse generation. Amen? But in order to do that, we need to become a people of great faith. Amen? Great faith. Faith in God and faith in His exceeding great and precious promises. Would you say amen to that? Amen. And so the Word of God declares that the kingdom of God does not come in word only, but in power and demonstration of the Spirit of God. That's the evidence. That's what the world needs to see. Amen? Amen? And these things ought to be seen in the workplace, not in the church. Where you are, where I am every single day, in the shops, in the supermarket, by the doctor's office, or wherever you are. Amen. We cannot proclaim to believe in God who delivers unless we demonstrate deliverance in our own lives. Would you say amen to that? Amen. We cannot proclaim to believe in God who heals, who protects and provides unless we are able to demonstrate these in our own lives. Remember, we are the ones that we are supposed to adorn the gospel. You know how in the, in the clothing stores they adorn the windows with beautiful clothes. Why? So they can tempt you to go in and give them your money. And that's what we need, to adorn the gospel, for people to look at you and me and say, man, here is a family who believes in God. Here is a man of God. Here is a woman of God who believes in God, who trusts in God who rejoices in the midst of the storm, who has peace that passes all understanding regardless of what happens around him, who is not afraid, who is not anxious, who is not troublesome, who lays his head on the pillow at night and he sleeps like a baby because he trusts in God and in His unfailing promises. Paul, speaking by the Spirit, said to the believers in Thessalonica the following: 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5, for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. Says we didn't come with just mere words. He said to the Corinthians, My preaching and my teaching was not done with enticing words of man's wisdom, but it was done in the demonstration of the Spirit and power. They came with the goods. We need to demonstrate the power of the gospel we proclaim because the unbelieving world needs to see the evidence of our prevailing faith. And as the Word says, we need to imitate those, those who, who through faith and patience inherit the promises of God. I'm reminded at this time of Jairus' faith, for example. It inspires me, the faith of this man who stared death in the face And refused to doubt or fear because Jesus said to him, Do not fear, only believe. The messenger came from his house and said to him, It's too late. Your daughter is already dead. Don't trouble the master. When Jesus heard those words, He said, Do not fear, only believe. And He's telling us the same thing today. Do not fear, only believe. Don't fear the virus. Don't fear sickness. Don't fear disease. Don't fear disasters. Only believe in God. It's never too late to believe. Even when our hope is gone, We still believe. So this man now, imagine if it was you or I and says, your child is already dead. What are you praying for? What are you crying to God? It's too late. He refused. He stared death in the face and he said, I believe God. For it shall be, as the Lord told me it will be, that my daughter will rise again. And he walked step by step following Jesus to his house. And his great faith was richly rewarded. He received his child back to life. Oh, for such faith. That's why Jesus said, Will the Son of Man find such faith when he returns to earth? That's the cry of his heart. Will I find such faith when I come back? You can answer that question. And we can confidently say, yes, Lord. You will find such faith in me and in my family. We will not fear. We will believe God. We will exercise the gifts and the talents you've given us. We will share our faith with those that do not know you. We will go into the highways and the byways and invite people to come to church. I'm sick and tired of preaching to empty chairs. Amen. Amen. This man fought the good fight of faith. He fought, he believed despite the evidence. Listen, God does not want us to be passive when it comes to the promises of God. He delights to see His people wage war against our adversaries who oppose the will of God in our lives in order to keep us out of our inheritance in Christ. Out of what belongs to us. Out of what the precious blood of Jesus bought and paid for. And given it to us. And that's what the enemy opposes. That's why he's called the adversary. He will initiate adversity, opposition, to keep you out of those promises. Out of your promised land. What are you going to do about it? Jesus said in Matthew eleven twelve, and from the days of John the Baptist until now the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. That's the kind of people that Jesus is looking for in our day. They put up a fight. They violently wage war. They know the Word. They know the rites. They know the Scriptures. They know the Holy Spirit. The fight of faith is a fight we always win because faith overcomes the world. 1 John says, and this is the victory that overcomes the world. And then he says, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Are you born of God? then you are a world overcomer. You just don't realize it maybe yet. And one of the most important things to know as I close my message this morning, at least the first part of it, the one most important thing to know about the fight of faith is to keep it in its proper place. To keep it in its proper environment. To keep it in its proper realm. And that is the realm of the invisible. The realm of faith. Amen? I eh, that, as long as we keep the fight in the realm of faith, the devil remains defeated, subject to us. Why? Because the natural realm is His domain. Amen? (laughs) If He succeeds in bringing the fight into the natural physical realm, He will always have the upper hand. Why? I've explained it. The natural realm is His domain, and He knows how to defeat us in that realm. Why? He's called the God of this world, which means He has the ability to manipulate the natural realm. So you can't fight Him in the physical realm. You have to take the fight in the realm of faith. There you always win. How does He do that? How does He try to get us down onto this natural realm? He will point you to natural circumstances. You notice that? Yeah. He will tell you, <laughs> look at how you feel. How are you feeling? Yeah? He will point you to your physical senses. He will highlight how you feel and how, what you see, and He will constantly bombard you with natural evidence telling you that it is not so. God lied to you. Look at your body. I mean, look at you. You can hardly put one foot in front of the other. When you say you're healed, how do you feel? I don't think we should ever ask believers how they feel. (laughs) We should always ask them, where are you, in faith? Or are you in the natural realm? Are you in the spirit or in the flesh? (laughs) Michael, next time we should ask them, Are you in the flesh or in the spirit? Amen. I ask people how they feel. I shouldn't. Lord, forgive me. (laughs) He will always point you to the natural realm and show you the natural evidence. He will elevate your physical senses above the Word of God, suggesting that God lied to you or the promises He made do not apply to you. They apply to pastor, but not to you. Why? Because you're just a horrible sinner. You're not so holy. Lies and the father of lies. Lies. When we are engaged in the fight of faith, paying attention to what the natural realm tells us and believing what it testifies will not change the situation, but will rather enforce it. I'm going to say that again because that's very important. Paying attention and focusing on what the natural realm tells us And believing what it testifies will never change your situation, but will rather enforce it. And talking about how you feel all the time will not help your situation, but will make it worse. Because you're glorifying, not the Word of God, but you're glorifying your feelings and your emotions. That means your emotions and your feelings become your God. And you think that the Word of God is subject to how you feel. God's Word never changes of how you feel. Amen? Amen. Here is one more. Another important principle to remember as we engage the enemy in the fight of faith is to guard our minds. Because that's where the battles are won and lost. Many faint and become weary and give up in their minds first. That's why Hebrews says that when we go through these challenges, we ought to do what? Look unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. And then the word says, consider him. So if I'm going to consider him, who is him? He is the word. He is the promises of God. That means I will not consider how I feel. You cannot consider two things at the same time, can you? No. Keep looking to the Lord. Keep looking to the Word. What does the Word say? What did God promise me? Focus on that. Consider that. Not your own body. What did Abraham do before he received his miracle of a son? The Bible says he considered not his own body nor yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. And both his body and his wife's body spoke to him every single moment of every day and tell him, you cannot have a child. It is impossible to have a child. No one has had a child at 100 years old. But he refused to consider his own body. The Bible says he considered the promise of God. And he was fully persuaded that he was able to perform what he promised, giving glory to God. Next week, part two. Father, we thank you. We give you praise for your precious word. Your word declares that you sent your word and healed them and delivered them from the destruction. And Father, I believe and declare that the Word that has gone forth out of my mouth today will heal and deliver anyone and everyone who hears the Word, receives that Word, believes on that Word, and acts on that Word in Jesus' precious and wonderful name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.